Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am with Mara Kinsella, who's the associate winemaker at Hamill Family Wines in Sonoma County. Mara, I am over-the-top excited to chat with you today. Hamill is one of my most favorite brands over here in Sonoma County. However, this is my first time being on property. can't believe that. I know. And lucky me, you hosted me for a tasting. So thank you for that. You're welcome. My pleasure. So let's dive in to your story before we talk about our tasting and the fabulous wines we had. Um, you are a woman who was raised in St. Louis, Missouri. While you were growing up, did you ever dream you would be a winemaker in Northern California? <laughs> yeah, that definitely was not in the cards. I had no idea how wine was produced. Um, but yeah, I grew up in St. Louis from the time I was eight until 18. Before that, I was born in Providence and then was in New York City for a little bit and Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and then at 18, kind of that Midwestern naivete brought me out to California for the first time. And I went to Santa Clara University where I did a biology degree. Okay, but what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up initially? I wanted to be a doctor, like my father, who's a neurologist, and his dad as well. So that's originally why I was doing biology, doing most of the pre-med courses, but kind of was gravitating more towards the environmental uh, classes, plant physiology, all of that sort of stuff. Okay, but then you became a professional cyclist. <laughs> so tell us how that happened. Yeah, it's kind of a, a wild story, but in between my junior and senior years of high school, I was running a lot, wore down all the cartilage in my left knee, and so just started riding to rehab it back. Um, and my aunt and uncle had been racers in St. Louis in the 1980s, so they lent me a road bike, and so I just started riding a little bit. I entered a race, crashed three times, but I still won, and aptly uh, got the name nickname Kaboom in the St. Louis cycling community from oh then on. Um, but after that, I came to Santa Clara University and just got on better and better teams, better results, and by my senior year, I had a professional contract and was racing for the U.S. national team. So you raced road bikes yes so what is a road bike <laughs> uh, a road bike is about 14 pounds it uh, has kind of the more dropped handlebars skinnier tires and you race your bike in between 20 and 50 miles per hour with 150 of the best other women in the world wow that's fast yes yeah it hurts to crash at that speed She's got great legs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so you were also a member of the U.S. national team. Yeah. So after graduating from college at Santa Clara, 
I moved to Boulder, Colorado, where I spent half my years, and then half the year would be in Sitar, Netherlands, where the U.S. national team houses, and then with brief uh, stints over to Girona, Spain, just to get a break from the dreary weather in the Netherlands, but uh, racing with the national team for a few years, did, you know, the Tour de France um, for the women, a bunch of different World Cup races, some spring classics, um, and yeah, it was an amazing journey. And then in 2014, had a really fantastic spring classic season and then came home to the U.S. My first race back crashed and broke my arm in five places. And so it was just kind of the last two years were really crash marred and I never got up to what I thought my potential was. So the risks really just kind of started outweighing the rewards. Um, and by the end of 2015 at the World Championships, I decided to look for what was next. Okay, so that leads me to ask, how did you decide wine was the career for you? It's a natural transition from <laughs> cycling to winemaking, right? Yeah, right. You were driven <laughs> to drink, right? That was yes. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is pretty ironic, but when I was racing all throughout Europe, you know, when you're in southern France, uh, riding in the Alps throughout all the vineyards in Ardèche, and then also in northern Italy and Piedmont, you obviously see all of the vineyards that are around. And then what was really serendipitous is that one of my teammates on the U.S. national team, her partner was a winemaker at Schramsberg. So I just kind of had this introduction to what the production side of winemaking was like. Uh, thankfully, I had the prereqs from doing biology undergrad, even though that hadn't been the plan at all. And I'd already been passionate about wine, but yeah, I just really didn't understand how to go from A to Z with it. Uh, and he had fantastic advice, which was, before you study winemaking, go and do a harvest and make sure you like all the dirty work that's physical, pulling a lot of sticky hoses, because it's going to be that for, you know, five a to while. ten years before... Right. Um, before you move up a little bit. But, yeah, really fantastic advice. Okay, so you cut your teeth on um, your first harvest, I guess I should say, was in New Zealand in 2016. Yeah. So, so you must have fell in love with it then. <laughs> yeah, I really did. Um, so, yeah, my last bike race was the 2015 World Championships in uh, September and then... By February 2016, I was in New Zealand, uh, and I worked in Wiper Valley, which is about an hour north of Christchurch. And there, I just befriended other people in the industry who introduced me to biodynamic and more natural ways of winemaking as well, and really sparked that interest. And applied to different master's programs, decided I wasn't done traveling yet, and wanted to learn a savoir-faire from abroad. Uh, so yeah, I wound up going to the University of Bordeaux's agricultural engineering school called Bordeaux Sciences Agro. So, and the rest is history, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so you got a degree at the University of Bordeaux, worked in France, Chile, and Napa, and then landed here at Hamill Family Wines in what year? So I arrived here in March 1st, 2020. Great year. Yeah, yeah, right before, <laughs> <laughs> right before the storm. And you started as an enologist and then advanced to assistant winemaker, and now you're the associate winemaker. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So you've been here almost four years. Let's talk about Hamill. 
so what interested me the most at Hamel uh, is how much we believe in terroir and how amazing our sites are, especially our Nuns Canyon vineyard, really mountainous, volcanic terroir. And I think many people talk about terroir when I was in Bordeaux, for sure, uh, in Napa and Chile, but it still remains kind of esoteric, more broad strokes, pixelated version of uh, how soil and place affect the wine. But at Hamel, it has become much more focused. And just for an example, um, when I was applying for the enologist position in early 2020, we had four interviews. And the third of the four interviews was an analytical tasting with four different wines of different soil types from Nuns Canyon. Uh, there were two lots from what I now know is called P8, which is a basalt alteration, extremely stony, minimal fractures. And one was a Cabernet Sauvignon, one was a Cabernet Franc, but I was able to place that those two had the same soil types. And that really kind of made it more concrete to me that the place transcends what the varietal is. Um, and of course, biodynamics is really key to why I'm here, as well as dry farming, so I'm not using irrigation. Right. The dry farming is what I found so fascinating to learn is how much of your estate vineyards are dry farmed. Yeah, so right now we're about 75% dry farmed completely. At Nuns Canyon, it's 100% dry farmed just because the way that the soil is there, it's a lot rockier, and so the roots are able to make their way uh, through the fractures of the stone. Yeah, amazing. You know, and what a cost savings. Yeah, it's, it's really been able to help us save over 20 million gallons per year, and we really believe that we're making better wines because of it, and it's wines that are tapping into the place. So you make about 10,000 cases of wine. Yep. How many different wines are you making? Yeah, so we make about six wines. We have one Sauvignon Blanc, two Grenaches, and then four Cabernet Sauvignons. What do you think is the hidden gem in the portfolio? Um, I think our Nuns Canyon Grenache, we had tasted the Estate Grenache, but our Nuns Canyon Grenache, which is 100% from our Moon Mountain vineyard that I was talking about earlier is really special and I think the potential from that site is really really high. Uh, we like to say that Grenache is like the Pinot Noir of the sun and I think it just does really really well here and especially with the warmer drier years albeit this year is not one of them. Grenache just does so well and we were able to dry farm it after just two years after it was planted. Okay is there a dream varietal that you would like to add to the portfolio one day? I feel like we kind of have our hands full already, but I think Chardonnay is a really interesting uh, varietal that you can do a lot to. Um, we ha we make a really beautiful Mouved that I, w I would love to see as like a single offering as well. And then our Cabernet Franc is also fantastic, so... It'd be nice to keep it as a Cabernet Franc. Top moment of your career so far, either cycling or winemaking? <laughs> uh, I'll stick with winemaking. I think 2020, that was a really tough year for the challenges that we know is literally a trial by fire. But I'm really, really happy and proud of the wines that we were able to make uh, that year. Uh, we were able to pick everything for sure before the glass fire, test everything, really, you know, became experts in smoke taint and all of the different compounds um, that have, can affect wine. And so, yeah, I'm really happy with how we overcame that year, it's, you know, compounded with it was my first year. It was also COVID um, and we had a greener intern team as well, just because we weren't able to get international interns that year. Okay. Is there someone that has mentored you 
in winemaking that you can speak to? Yeah, I'd say I'm fortunate enough to have learned from many inspirational women winemakers. Sabrina Pernay at Chateau Palmer in Margot, Noelia Orts at Emiliana down in Chile, and then Ellen Mingo over at Isley Vineyard in Calistoga. And two of them were actually pregnant when I was working for them. So it was eye-opening for me to be able to see that you can have both family and a great career in the wine industry. Okay, you're a newlywed, although we're not going to talk about your personal life quite yet, but (laughs) are you anticipating having to juggle uh, pregnancy and a job someday in your near future? (laughs) I could see that. Okay. How would you describe your winemaking style? I have a like keen ability to think outside the box, good tasting memory, a good asset in blending. And I'd say for me, I'm really just like trying to contribute to our pursuit here at Hamill, our endless pursuit of progression. And I think in California especially, it's easier to make wines of power and concentration and much more difficult to find elegance, nuance, and complexity. So for us, it's really just to understand our vineyards and then shepherd the fruit to wine and to try and capture the personality of the year from our particular site and really to you know produce something that could not possibly come from somewhere else, just like this has to come from Nuns Canyon or one of our other vineyards. We torture caves. Now, I've seen many, many caves in my lifetime, but your caves aren't necessarily unique, but I spotted some unique characteristics in your caves that I think we should speak to because you had some unique vessels and you had some unique apparatus (laughs) apparatus <laughs> yeah, the, the hydraulic bung yeah yes. so can can you share the benefits of the different vessels you're using and uh, the bungs as well yeah so we are using a lot larger format both concrete and oak um, for us we just find that it preserves the wines that much better uh, I think a lot of people us included, before 2018, we're kind of pressing copy and paste on what they're doing over in Bordeaux, which is 100% French New Oak in a smaller barrel. But the tannin quality that you're getting in the climate is just completely different in Bordeaux versus here. Um, And so I think there it is good. You know, sometimes you do have a greener tannin when you um, pick. And so the best thing you can do is put into a small barrel where it kind of darkens and sweetens the fruit. Here, on the other hand, we live in California. There's no lack of UV. We have a very generous climate, really volcanic soils as well. And so I think it's really more about preservation and maintaining any kind of red fruit character and the natural acidity as opposed to having kind of early aging. Because when we pick here, the tannins are already ripe. Um, So kind of thinking about it in a different way and also just you know, the volume of wine to the surface area of oak is completely different in a large vessel versus the smaller barrel. And then, yeah, the hydraulic bungs, like you were mentioning, um, they basically are kind of an aseptic top to our casks and eggs that we can monitor where the topping level is. Yeah, it's it's just so unique. I've yeah. never seen such a thing before. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost foreign, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, I don't does. know why more wineries don't use that approach what's the best way for people to taste Hamel? yeah so you can go through our website or give us a call and we'd be happy to host you for a tasting 
Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Now let's shift on to your personal life. So you moved here a few years ago. You've lived in a variety of places, but right now you're living in Larksburg. Yes. So not quite wine country, but that's because you have a husband. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you had to make a compromise. So you have a little bit of a commute Mm -hmm. up here to Sonoma County. If we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What's your decorating style? Yeah, I'd say it's really kind of cool white tones um, and mid-century modern, maybe influenced a lot of artwork and photos from our travels together and also separately. And I think probably Tommy, who's Argentinian, um, has kind of warmed the home as well. I I used to be a little bit, you know, colder uh, in my style, but we have a lot more like warmer Latin tones, Burgundian colors, mustards, dried flowers everywhere, purples as well. So yeah, he's definitely add a lot more warmth to the home. Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) We also have uh, eight bikes in our guest bedroom. Oh, my goodness. Five (laughs) pairs of skis. (laughs) Okay, you guys are an athletic pair. Yes, yes. When you kick back and relax, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Uh, I like to listen to a wide range of music. Probably right now we're listening to a lot more like rhythmic uh latin electronic and like bomba stereo or uh, tommy likes to listen to a lot of argentinian rock as well and then i always kind of go back and forth i like rock of course jam bands jazzier soulful hip-hop like erica badu um and diggable planet so yeah wide range last concert you saw Last concert was actually Bomba Stereo, which is a Colombian band. Okay. Where? It was down at the Greek Theater in Berkeley. Okay. Do you have a hobby? Do you collect anything? Uh, I don't collect anything, really. I, I do like to read and write, and I, I'm always constantly trying to like work on the craft of storytelling. I think it's a really good gift to have. So obviously, still uh, need to work on it a bit, but listening to things like The Moth, the podcast, and yeah, I love listening to people tell stories. Is there anything people might be surprised to learn about you? I've gotten recently into open water swimming. So living in Larkspur and Marin has actually afforded me to be able to go down to aquatic park in San Francisco a lot more often. I'm a member at the South End Rowing Club so, uh, yeah, you can find me before a th- random Thursday of work, uh, swimming from Alcatraz back to San Francisco, or just yesterday I was down in Aquatic Park as well. So, yeah, I've really gotten into that recently. I can't believe it. <laughs> and no scuba? Yeah, no wetsuit. Wear. No. No wetsuit. Mm-mm. Yeah, just swimsuit. You will wear a warm cap, though, just kind of make sure your your head is warmer and then put earplugs in as well to not have the cold water going there but yeah you don't freeze to death <laughs> <laughs> this time of year it's really lovely it's uh, a lovely balm, a balmy 58 <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> how long does it take you to swim to alcatraz and back this time it took me about 41 minutes. Oh, uh, wow. It was quite choppy, though, but there was no current, though, so that helped. Okay. Uh, the craziest thing that's happened uh, during one of your 
swimming adventures? <laughs> uh, I don't think anything too crazy has happened. I keep or it's, scariest. It's really psychological, though, because uh, a lot of people recently have been like nibbled on by sea lions and seals, and so I definitely do not want that to happen. So right. I'll see shadows and think that I see a seal. I did see one 10 feet away from me uh, a couple weeks ago, but yeah, nothing too crazy yet. There's no sharks or anything, are there? Uh, not that I've seen yet, oh, but geez. yeah, what I've looked up is they could be at the bottom of the bay. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I applaud you for doing <laughs> that. I, I'm impressed. Um, and I hope uh, that you continue to swim uh, in good health, <laughs> in good <laughs> health. You have clearly done a lot of traveling. Is there a, and I'm sure there is, a meaningful or memorable trip that you can tell us about in detail? One that I can remember off the top of my head was Qatar, where I did a uh, World Cup race, broke three ribs, was kind of held hostage in the hospital there, oh my gosh. had to be broken out. So. That one comes uh, top of mind for memorable, but um, yeah, I love Punta del Este and Jose Ignacio down in Uruguay. Um, my husband's family, a lot of them live there, so it's always just an amazing time to be able to go down there. Sounds wonderful. A dream trip that you'd like to take? Uh, I would love to visit Asia more. I haven't been uh, over there really, so yeah, I think going to um, Tokyo, Thailand... Um, doing all of that would be a fantastic trip. And what's your favorite city? The city you can go back to again and again and again and never get tired of? Probably Bordeaux. Yeah, just because I lived there for three years. I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to work with Chateau Palmer and also with Christian Moix's group on the right bank. So uh, I love Bordeaux. I still have a lot of friends there. It, it's a small city, but it also there's plenty to do. Um, so you'll be able to run into people on the streets, but... Yeah, I, I love Bordeaux. If you have a dinner party, what is your tip to make sure it's a success? Wine flowing, for sure. <laughs> uh, I think having multiple different types of wines as well, because there's always different palettes and also the opportunity to explore. Um, so I think, yeah, champagne, wine. definitely necessary. At least one white and at least one red. Do you have a go-to dish that you always prepare that's a crowd pleaser? Well, I definitely put that task more to my husband. So he always does kind of more traditional Argentinian asados, so, so the barbecue. Um, so he'll do everything from a lamb on the cross um, to just doing a lot of really good meats and also vegetables. Um, so, for example, a red bell pepper with egg cracked into it and then you put it on the grill and it's just fantastic so you mentioned that you have several bikes in your guest room so you still like to cycle i still do yeah i took five years off uh completely i think it was just such an extreme disciplined time in my life for a long time and so i kind of went the other direction uh but now i mean living in marin you can't help but want to go ride up Tam. So yeah, now we have road bikes, mountain bikes, gravel bikes, every kind of bike imaginable. And your husband likes to cycle as well. Yeah, well, he actually, for my birthday, bought himself an e-bike, so, <laughs> <laughs> so he could go longer and <laughs> awesome. on some better rides with me. Yeah. Okay. What is one of your favorite places, other than Hamel, to visit in wine country? We have so many amazing neighbors here in Sonoma. So there's Hansel, Bedrock, 
uh, also out at Sonoma Coast. You know, Rain makes fantastic wines and Literai Occidental. Uh, and yeah, that's just speaking about Sonoma. So yeah, there's plenty of places in Napa as well. Outside of wine, what is one of your go-to places, whether it's a place to eat or an activity or a place to stay? Yeah, I think in wine country, there's really good bike riding around here. Uh, Over up Sonoma Mountain, there's a ride called Valley of the Moon and up to Sugarloaf as well. Every time I go up to Sugarloaf, I just can't imagine why I don't go up there more often because it's really a hidden gem of a park near us for trail running, hiking, uh, cycling as well. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions now. You ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. What kind of car do you drive? Toyota Prius. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Lavender. What's in your nightstand? I'd say lavender oil, just for anxiety. Um, And then, yeah, probably a notepad to write things down, water for sure, Uh, earplugs, eye masks, the whole bit, and a Kindle. Okay. What's one of your all-time favorite movies? Almost Famous. And last question, what's one word that best describes you? Probably driven. Mara, you've been fantastic. It's been so much fun. Yes, thanks, Michelle, for coming. We had a blast. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.